Acts chapter 17, verse number 20. And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily, truly, I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Now look at Acts uh, chapter 12. We were in Matthew chapter 17, and now we're Acts chapter 12. Hopefully I didn't confuse you with that. Acts chapter 12, verse number 5. This is a very, very cool story. Hopefully you've heard it before. If you haven't, well, then you're in for a treat because uh, this, is, this is a really, really interesting story. Uh, uh, this is happening after Jesus has left earth. He's already ascended up into heaven, and this is happening uh, when the, in the stages of the early church, the early New Testament church in Jerusalem, which was the first church. Uh, so Acts chapter 12, verse number 5. Peter, therefore, the apostle Peter, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth, this is King Herod, not the same King Herod that lived during Jesus' time, this is the, a different King Herod. When Herod would have brought him forth, uh, bring him forth to kill him, execute him, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side. That's how you know the, the angel was a dude. Only, only another dude would have hit someone else on the side as a greeting. And raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself. It means get ready. And bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. That's the angel saying to Peter. And he went out and followed him and wist not that it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he was, he saw a vision. So Peter didn't actually, he thought he was seeing stuff. He didn't know, he didn't think it was an actual angel that was helping him out, bust out of prison. When they were past the first and second ward, so they're, they're in the depths, the bowels of this jail, and they're having to get out of it. The, the, past the, the first and second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street. So he's busting out of prison. And forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know. Now he's coming to himself. He realizes it's not a vision. Now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. Because it wasn't just Herod that wanted to kill him. All the people wanted to kill him too. Uh, but we'll get into that. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying, praying for him to get out of prison. And he comes to knock on the door of the people that were praying for him to get out of prison. Verse number uh, 13. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken, came to answer it, named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice... She opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told, how, told all the people that were praying for him how Peter stood before the gate. And they said unto her, Thou art mad. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, It is his angel. Whatever that means. It is his angel. Okay, sure, maybe. But Peter continued knocking. And when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. They couldn't believe that their own prayers were working. They were astonished. But he, beckoning unto them with 
the hand to hold their peace. He's saying, okay, hold on, guys. Let me explain. Declare it unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, go show these things unto James and to the brethren. And he departed and went into another place. Cool story, right? That is an amazing story. So, but before we get into the story, I want to let you guys know we're on the second week of our sermon series, Mountain Mover. If you guys missed the first week, that's fine. You guys can go back, listen to the podcast, go on the website, listen to it there. Uh, we're, we're on the second week of, a mountain, um, of our series, Mountain Mover. And this sermon series is all about trying to figure out how we can have mountain-moving faith. So the Bible says in Matthew chapter 17, we just read it, that with the, with the grain of a mustard seed, when you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. You can say, move that mountain from this place to that place, and it will be done. Jesus was saying, in essence, that if you have mustard seed-sized faith, then you also have mountain-moving faith. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, then you have mountain-moving faith. That's all it takes that's the amount of faith it takes to move that mountain, to move a mountain from here to there. That's the, that's the kind of faith that we all can have, too. So Jesus is saying, if you want to move that mountain, it just takes mustard seed-sized faith. I think we can all get that amount of faith. We can all have a mustard seed-sized uh, faith in our life. So this series is all about how to get mountain-moving faith. And that's something we all can have. Because we all can have a mustard seed-sized faith. And today we're drilling down on that one theme and asking one simple question. How do I get more faith, right? That's the question. How do I get more faith? How do I get the amount of faith necessary to overcome things in my life, to make it through the, the, the daily struggles and the daily decisions and things that I go through in life? How do I get more faith? I understand that faith is important and I need faith as a Christian and I need faith in my life, but how do I get more of it? So that's what we're talking about this morning. How do I get more faith? Because faith is important because faith is spiritual energy. That's what moves us forward as Christians, as believers. Faith is a spiritual energy. Have you ever felt drained spiritually? Have you ever felt drained spiritually? From time to time, we all feel drained spiritually. We all feel like this, like you don't have the strength or motivation to be the person you want to be or the person that God has called you to be or the person that God has, uh, has in store for you to be. Sometimes in Christian, as Christians, we need more spiritual energy. We need more faith. We need faith that God will provide. We need faith so we can stop worrying. We need faith to, stop, uh, we need faith to fight temptation. We need faith uh, to stop doing certain things in our life. We we need faith to start doing some things in our life. We need a faith to balance all the responsibilities in our week. How do we get faith? How do we get more faith? Look at the very next verse. After Jesus says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, Matthew chapter 17, verse number 20, Matthew chapter 17, verse number 21, it shows us how we can get more faith. This is right after, just, just to clarify, this is right after Jesus says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, then you can move mountains. How do we get that kind of faith? Look at verse number 21. How be it this kind goeth not out, as the broader context we'll get in that couple of weeks, but he's basically saying here, you get that kind of faith by prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting are how we get more faith in our life. Prayer and fasting. And today we're going to talk about that one thing there of prayer. Prayer is a biggie. Prayer is a biggie in our life. Prayer is how we get more faith in our life. It's how we get more spiritual energy in our life. Prayer is the underpinning of our faith. It's, it's, the, it's what's holding, it's the, 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 uh, the scaffolding of our faith. Prayer is the scaffolding. It's what's holding it up. It's what's building our faith. It's what's moving it forward. It's what's uh, edifying it. Prayer energy, energizes and, and gives legs to our faith. It gives it animation. 
You ever, you ever been tired before? And I know I've been tired many, many times. You know what I turn to when I, when I get tired and I can't take a nap? How many of you guys like Red Bull? Love Red Bull. How many of you guys, any of you guys like Red Bull? You guys, some of you guys look like you need a Red Bull right now. Some of you guys look like you need a coffee right now. I love Red Bull. I love coffee. Sometimes I'll even take a Monster. Sometimes I even take a, a double shot espresso. I mean, I just, that's what I do if I need more energy. Sometimes it's even, I'll get a rock star. Uh, I'll get, you know, sometimes you get the, the, the my, my wife's favorite is the purple monster. I don't know if you guys ever had a purple monster before. Purple monsters are the best. And they have zero calories. So it's a win-win. I mean, this is, this is what I do if I need more energy. If I'm having a bad day, you pray and then you get a Red Bull. You get the big Red Bull, the 16-ounce Red Bull. The biggie, the one that's going to keep you going all day and all night. I mean, this is, this, this is the stuff because that boosts my energy. That keeps me going throughout the day. That's what prayer is. Prayer is the thing that boosts our energy, spiritually speaking. We need prayer in our life because we need energy. We need spiritual energy. Prayer is what's going to move us forward as Christians. It's what's going to give us energy. It's going to give us spiritual energy. It's going to boost our faith. Prayer is the boost that gives us spiritual energy. Prayer energizes our faith. Prayer is the fuel that faith runs on. It's all about prayer. In our story, we'll come to our story now, the Apostle Peter had been thrown into prison. He had been thrown into prison because he was preaching the gospel, because he was telling people about the story of Jesus. Uh, one of the apostles, the apostle James, who was the brother of Jesus, had recently been executed by this same king. King Herod had executed uh, James earlier, uh, just, I don't know if it was a couple days or a couple weeks prior to this. And so uh, the King Herod realized, because he noticed the people liked it when he killed uh, the Apostle James. The people were just, they, lo they loved it. If you read the, the whole chapter, it goes into this a little bit in the previous chapters. It goes into this, how the people in Jerusalem, they loved it that, uh, that, that the Apostle James had been killed. King Herod was getting some, some popularity points for that. And so he says, I'm going to follow this up with nabbing Peter as well. I'm going to get the Apostle Peter. I'm going to make the people even more happy, and uh, we're going to execute this guy. And that's why it says that, that when King Herod was the same night going to execute Peter, this is when stuff starts to happen. So he, he apprehends Peter, and he throws him into jail, and he, he puts two chains around Peter in this jail, in the belly of this jail. He sticks Peter in the belly of this jail. He has two chains. He chained Peter up, and he says, uh, verse, uh, I don't remember what verse it is there, but he puts two soldiers on either side of Peter, and then he puts uh, some people at the door, and then there's, people, then there's iron gates at the very entrance of the jail. I mean, this, this jail is locked down. Peter is locked down tight. He is not going anywhere. And this is what happens. Look, verse number six. And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. If the apostle James was any indication, King Herod was going to kill this man in the morning, as in like a couple hours from now. He was going to execute Peter. So Peter needed nothing short of a miracle to get himself out of this situation. He needed nothing short of a miracle. So the church does what many would have thought was ridiculous. What many would have thought was a waste of time. The church, because Peter was the, the, the first pastor at the church in Jerusalem. So the church realizes their preacher, their pastor, he's in jail. So what do they do? They do something that everyone thought was probably a waste of time. What are you doing this for? This is not going to do anything. Acts chapter 12. This is what, Acts chapter 12, verse number 5. This is what the people do. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison. But, 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 prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. So most people would have said, you need, you shouldn't be praying, you need a strategy. You shouldn't be praying, you need to worry. 
You shouldn't be praying. You need, to, you need to protest. You shouldn't be worrying. You need to be working right now. You shouldn't be worrying. You need to be stressing out right now. Have you ever been tempted to think that before? You ever been tempted, prayer's not going to do anything. You ever tempted, before, you have something coming up on the horizon. You think, man, I, 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 that's something that's coming up. That's a big deal. Prayer's not going to help, though. Why, the, and we don't even think about it sometimes. We just, we just don't even pray. We don't even think to pray. Sometimes we think, man, I have so many other things I need to do. I need to work this problem out. There's nothing I can do about this. I can't, prayer is not going to work. I need to worry. Does that make sense, right? Prayer is not going to help out. I need to stress. Prayer is, gonna, prayer is not going to help out. I need to, I need to work this problem out. So many times we do that. But they pray. They pray for Peter, and look what happens. Verse number six. And when Herod would have brought him forth to execute him, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and we, we read this, and the keepers before the door kept the prison, and behold, and behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, Peter, and a light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side. He says, get up, Peter. He kicks him. He ribs him in the side and raised him up. He pulls him up saying, arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. When the church prayed for Peter, his chains fell off. When the people prayed, an angel came to save him. When the church prayed, a miracle happened. The people understood something. The people understood something. This church, this, this group of believers understood something, that prayer wasn't their last resort. It was their secret weapon. Prayer wasn't the, the, the last thing they'd considered to do. It was their secret weapon. When all else failed, when they, had no, when they needed something to work, when nothing else would work, when they needed something to work, when they needed to depend on something, they went to prayer. Because they knew prayer was the answer. They knew prayer was the miracle. It was the secret weapon of the spiritual life. Prayer in our life, in our life, it is the secret weapon of the spiritual life. If you need to energize your life, if you need to build your faith, if you want more faith because you feel like you don't have enough, prayer is what you need. Prayer is exactly what you need. It was the angel that released prayer, but it was, uh, it was the angel that released Peter, but it was prayer that released the angel. It was prayer that released the angel. Prayer is what releases the uh, miracles that we need. The sequence of events here is important. There was prayer given. There was communication with God. This came first. Then came the miracle. And you see this all throughout scripture, and you'll find this in your own life. Before the miracle happens, there will always be prayer. Prayer precedes the miracle. You want something, you want, you want God to work in your life, but you have to pray first. Because the prayer comes first. The prayer has to happen before you can have the miracle. The prayer has to happen before you can have the power. They prayed, then God did something. Miracles don't happen spontaneously. They always follow faith. Miracles always follow faith. Miracles come from God, but they don't begin with him. They begin with our prayers. They begin in the, the faith of a prayer. If you want God to be active in your life, prayer, uh, pray. If you want God to be active in your family, pray. If you want God to change the heart of someone you know, pray for them. If you need God to find a way for you, pray. If you need God to provide for you, pray. The miracle doesn't come before the prayer. The prayer always comes before the miracle. If you need something in your life, pray for that thing. Too often we think, God, why aren't you helping me out? Why aren't you providing for me? Because we haven't prayed for the thing. We're expecting God to perform a miracle when we haven't shown God, uh, God that we have the faith in prayer for that miracle. You see this in James chapter 5. God lays this out very clearly. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. Then it says... The effectual fervent prayer 
the effectual, the continual, the constant, the consistent prayer, the fervent prayer, the, 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 the prayer with passion, the prayer with urgency, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. What does that word availeth means? It means overcomes. That's the Greek word. It overcomes much. You need prayer uh, to overcome. It only happens when we have the effectual fervent prayer. Availeth much, overcome. Fervent prayers overcome things in my life. Fervent prayers strengthen my life. You know the same Greek word that is for the word overcome there in James chapter 5 verse number 16 is the same Greek word you see in Philippians chapter 4 verse number 13 when uh, the apostle says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. That word strengtheneth is the same word there for James chapter, 5, uh, James chapter 5, availeth, overcomes. I can do all things through Christ. I can over, overcome all things in Christ, through Christ. Uh, the effectual fervent prayer of, a, a prayer of a righteous man avails much. Prayer is what energizes our faith. Prayer is what allows us to overcome obstacles in our life, overcome temptation in our life, overcome things that in our life. We add fuel to our cars. We, add, uh, we give batteries to our electronics. We put wood in our fire, uh, and we, uh, we, 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 put, we get, put food into our bodies because we understand that uh, these things need energy. In prayer, the spiritual life is no different. Prayer is the spiritual energy of our life. You know, one pastor said, you can do no more, or you can do more than pray. You can do more than pray after you've prayed. But you cannot do more than pray until you've prayed. Prayer energizes our faith because it connects us to the God of our faith. You know, I, I was listening to some people um, on, a, on a podcast the other day. And they, they were being asked questions. It was like a Q&A time on this particular podcast. And, uh, or it was a YouTube video. And people were asking this, these two people uh, some questions. And, and they asked them this particular question. They said, how do you know this? They, they were think, talking about, you know, how do you know you're going to be safe? How, you, how do you know you're going to have the freedom to do what, what you want to do? And these two people answered. And they said, we know that we're going to be safe. We know that we're going to have the freedom to do what we need to do because we know the president. And they said, just one call to the president. And it's taken care of. If something happens and people are trying to come up against us, we know the president personally. We know him very, very well. We know the first family. We're friends with them. Just one call to them and they'll take care of it. That's what prayer is. Prayer is, prayer is, prayer is that one call to God. How do we know he, he's going to take care of it? Through prayer, we can come to God and we can say, God, I need you to take care of this thing. I need you to work in my life. I need you to move in my life. And through prayer, that's what uh, God will do. In prayer, you are connecting your life to the one who controls every life. And if there is anybody who can give you what you need, it's him. When I work, I work, one preacher said. When I pray, God works. When I work, I work. When I pray, God works. Prayer moves us towards God. Prayer connects us to God. Prayer moves us closer to God. When you're in a boat and you're trying to throw your, ankle, uh, your, your anchor uh, to shore and you pull on that rope, you're not pulling the shore closer to yourself. You're pulling yourself closer to the shore. When we pray, we are not drawing God closer to us. We are drawing ourselves closer to God. When we pray, we are not aligning God with our will. We are aligning our will with God's will. That's what we're doing in prayer. We are, we are moving ourselves. And whenever you come to God in prayer, and you, whenever you, you draw closer to God in prayer, you are drawing closer to solid ground. 
You see, when I'm, when, when I'm out here in, the, in, the, in the, the boat and the seas of life and I'm not trying to connect myself to the, to the solid ground, you see, I can float around. I can, so lots of stuff can happen to me. I can make wrong decisions. I can be the wrong kind of spouse. I can be the wrong kind of parent. I can make a lot of bad decisions financially. But when I'm connecting my life to God through prayer, I will align my will with God so that I'm making the decisions that he wants me to make. And that's why prayer is so important. Prayer moves us towards God. That is where you find solid ground. That's where you find freedom. Prayer is what gives us mountain-moving faith because it connects us to the mountain mover. Mountain prayer connects us to uh, mountain, the mountain mover. See, there's no stopping a group of believers. And this is the cool thing that we see uh, in this story. Prayer becomes more powerful the more people who pray together. You see that? Look at Acts chapter 12, verse number 5. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison. But prayer was made without ceasing of the individual, of one person, of the church, unto God for him. When the angel came to release Peter from prison, it wasn't just one person praying for him. It was an entire church. It was an entire community of believers. The church came, to, uh, came together to pray towards a common goal, and God answered that prayer. There is no stopping a group of believers who come together in prayer. There is no stopping a group of believers who come together in a common goal and towards a common goal pray for that thing. Much more can be accomplished when a church prays. That's why as a church, we're doing 21 days of prayer. That's why as a church, we, we gave this out to everybody because as a church, we want to come together and pray for something collectively because we know as a church, when we come together uh, as a family of believers, there is power behind that. God hears that. God listens to that. God bends his ear to the prayers of a church. See, much more can be accomplished when a church prays. You see, if I, was to, if I was to break down this platform by myself, uh, as we're going to break down this platform after the service, if I was to break down this platform as, uh, by myself and I was to move it all the way across this auditorium into uh, to the space that it belongs up on the stage, I couldn't do that by myself. That'd be very, very hard. That'd be very, very strenuous by myself. I couldn't do that. And, and that's kind of a hint to you guys after the service. I can't do that by myself. You guys following me on that? I'm just kidding. So I can't do this by myself. What I need is help. What I need is, you see, by myself I can't move this. But, but, when there's a couple people coming together towards a common goal, picking this up, moving it over there, then we can do it. Then we can accomplish it. That's what prayer as a church does. That's what prayer as a family does. That's what prayer as a, as a couple does. It, it comes together. You know what God says in Matthew chapter 18? He says, for where two are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of that. When we come together as, as, as husband and wife and pray for something, God's right there in the middle of that. When we come together as a family and pray towards a common goal, God's right there meeting with us. He's in the midst of us. When we come together as a, as a, as a, as a, as a church and pray towards something as, and pray towards a common goal, God is meeting with us in that time, in that moment. If one person with the size of a mustard seed can move a mountain, then what can a church collectively move? If one person can move a mountain with just the faith of a mustard seed, then what can a church collectively coming together, what can they accomplish? They can accomplish something big. When we pray together, God is present. When we pray towards a common goal, God bends his ear. God, God, God sits on the edge of his throne listening to what we have to say. 
See, the story has more going on. Look at, look, at the, look at some of the symbolism of this story. I love this. This is a great. This is great. Acts chapter 12, verse number 7. I'm going to read through this a little bit. Uh, verse number 7, and then verse number 9 and 10. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and the light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side. He ripped him inside, raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. Get up, Peter. And his chains fell off from his hands. And he went out, followed him. Wist not that it was true, which was done by the angel. He didn't know what was going on, but thought he saw a vision. When they were past the first and second ward, they came into the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out and passed on through the street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. When the people prayed for Peter, an angel came to deliver him. But details are given on how he was delivered. This, this is so cool. This is so interesting. Peter's chains fell off and the iron prison gates opened. They described this for us. They didn't just say the angel busted him out of prison, end of story. They say the angel, he, 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 he touched the, 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 the chains of Peter and they fell off from his hands. The angel opened the iron gate that nobody else could open. The iron gate that Peter couldn't open. The chains that Peter couldn't take off, the angel took it off. You see, why is that important? Because this passage is trying to tell us that prayer breaks chains. Prayer sets people free. I don't know what's holding you captive. I don't know what chains you need to be broken. But I do know that prayer breaks those chains. I don't know what, what thing that's in your life that's holding captive of your soul. I don't know what it is that's holding captive of a part of your life. But prayer can break those chains. You see, I have, a, I have a chain with me this morning. See, this is what we do to ourselves. We have no one else to blame. Sometimes we get ourselves in a mess. We have a chain. I don't know if it's addiction, self-absorption, laziness, selfishness, worry, stress, materialism. But we put chains on ourselves. Sometimes it could be anger. Sometimes it could be, uh, it could be whatever it is in your life. It could, be, it could be an infinite number of things, but we put chains around our life. We put chains on our soul. Sometimes it's sin. Sometimes it's ignorance. Sometimes it's things that we don't even know are on our life, but we can put chains on our life. We can put chains on our soul. We can put chains on particular parts of our life. We can put chains on our finances. We can put chains on our relationships. We can put chains on our children. We can put chains on our, our family. We can put chains on our own heart, on our own mind, on our own thinking. We can put chains. And, and God is saying here, through this story, prayer breaks those chains. Prayer is what sets us free from those things. Prayer isn't just, it doesn't just break the chains. It also opens the gates. Prayer is what gives us access to things that we never had access to before. Prayer is what opens the doors in our lives. It's what opens the gates in our lives. That's what prayer does. Prayer is what breaks the chains. You see what prayer does. I have one that's already broken. This is what prayer does. Prayer breaks the chains. If you need some, I don't know what, what, what's holding you captive, but prayer is what's going to, prayer is what's going to release you. Prayer is, it's, it's when we connect to the chain breaker. Because he's not just a mountain mover, he's also a chain breaker. And when we connect to the chain breaker through prayer, he's going to break the chains in our life. When we connect to God, when we connect to the chain breaker, he's also going to open the gates. He's going to open the doors that you need opened. 
You see Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You can find that word grace there, uh, strength to help in time of need. Prayer sets us free. Why? Because you cannot separate prayer from freedom. You can't separate prayer from freedom. To enter into prayer is to enter into the presence of the God of freedom. Freedom spiritually comes only from God. And the only way we can connect with God is through prayer and his word. Prayer this morning is what we need. See what the angel did for Peter, Jesus did for the world. The angel came to Peter, broke his chains, and set him free. When Jesus came to earth on the cross, he broke the chains of our sin and set us free spiritually. Now we can spend eternity with Jesus Christ in heaven one day. That's what the angel did for Peter. What the angel did for Peter physically, Jesus did for us spiritually. Now we can have freedom spiritually. That's why God is a God of freedom, because through prayer, we connect to God. And uh, through prayer, we have and we access salvation. Look at John chapter 8, verse number uh, 36. If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. That son there, that, that word that is capitalized, it's talking about Jesus Christ. Jesus has made us free, and if he has made you free, he has made you free indeed. He has made you free completely. He has made you free a holy. Salvation gives us freedom from the penalty of sin, and prayer gives us freedom from the power of sin. If you have, if, the, the, if, if sin is taking hold of your life, if there's something, maybe it's not even, you would consider it sinful. Maybe it's just something that's materialistic. It's taking hold of your life. Maybe uh, some thing, some, something, something you own is taking hold of your life. Prayer can set you free from that thing. One pastor said, prayer will make a man cease from sin or sin will entice a man to cease from prayer. That's what prayer does. It breaks the chains. I don't want you to miss this this morning. If you miss anything else, Prayer is what sets us free. Prayer is what opens the doors in our life. Prayer is what breaks the chains. Prayer is what we need this morning. You see, but God wants to, uh, God wants to answer our prayer. Acts chapter 12. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary. This is talking about Peter. The mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. But Peter continued knocking. And when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. And this is a side point, but it, I, I really love that they were astonished. I really love that they could barely believe that God answered their prayer. You know why? Because it showed me that they didn't really have that much faith. They were praying, but they were blown away when they saw the answered prayer. That gives me hope and encouragement. And it should all, give all of us hope and encouragement because they didn't expect their prayer to be answered. They, were just, they had that mustard seed size faith. That's all you need to go to God in prayer with, that much faith. And you can be astonished when he actually does answer the prayer, but all we need is that much. Let's continue. But he, uh, Peter, beckoning unto them with the hand to hold their peace, he's saying, you guys, shut up. Let me explain to you guys how this all happened. Declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. So Peter doesn't say to them that the angel released them, right? Look at that, look at that. But uh, Peter continued knocking. When they had opened the door, they were astonished. But he beckoned unto them with the hand to hold their peace, declared to them how the angel had brought him out of prison. Is that what it says? The angel had brought him out of the prison? No, 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 no. It says, is that what it says, you guys? You guys look at me. That's not what it says. I can, you guys, can you guys, you guys read that with me? It says the angel did not, it says the Lord delivered him out of prison, not the angel. You see, the angel was sent by God. The angel released Peter, but it was God who saved him. 
Peter doesn't say to them that it was the angel who released him. He said it was the Lord. Peter recognized that even though it was the angel who came to him, it was God who set him free. What's Peter saying? That God is the one who answers prayer. That God wants to answer prayer. God is itching to answer prayer. God wants to answer your prayers. You don't believe me? Look at Jeremiah chapter 33. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. God wants to answer prayer. He may not always answer it the way we want him to, and he may answer it and give us a no, but he is always going to answer prayer. God loves to answer prayer. He wants to answer prayer. I love the way Tim Keller says it. He says, God will either give us what we ask or give us what we would have asked if we knew everything he knows. You see, God wants to answer prayer. What prayers do you need answered? God is waiting to hear them. What prayers do you need answered this week in your life? What prayers do you need answered for your job? What prayers do you need answered for your family? God wants to hear them. You know, the Bible says in the book of James, we have not because we ask not. He's saying, pray, come to me in prayer. He says in Philippians chapter 4, be careful for nothing. He's saying, don't worry about how important or unimportant it is, how trivial or how big, how monumental or how minuscule. Be careful for nothing. Don't worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. I don't know many people like that. I don't know many people who just want to hear me ramble on about my day. I don't know many people who for hours and hours and hours want to hear about the bad things in my life. And the only person I can think of that actually does want to hear me for hours and hours is going to give me a bill at the end of that time. It's the only, nobody, but God is saying, I want to hear from you. I want to hear from you. The good and the bad. The big and the small. I want to hear it. Be careful for nothing. The only kind of person who actually wants to hear Everything in my life is God. Jesus says, I don't, think to you, I don't think you talk to me enough. I don't think you come to me enough in prayer. And this is the bottom line of prayer. God wants to hear from you, and he wants to answer your prayers. It may not always be what we want, but he wants to hear from you, and he wants to answer your prayers. So I heard this theologically incorrect story growing up in, in church. I heard this many times. But I think it, it might be helpful to us. Again, I, I precursor by saying it's theologically incorrect. It's all for the sake of illustration. But I think it'll, it'll, prove, it'll, it'll prove a good point. So one, one day, a man, uh, he, uh, he died. He was saved. So he, he came to heaven. He's, he comes up to the, the pearly gates. It's always the pearly gates in the stories. Comes up to the pearly gates, and the apostle Peter, because it's always the apostle Peter, comes to meet him at the pearly gates. He opens the door. He says, "You trusted Christ by faith alone. You can come. The you can come into heaven." And but I want to show you something before we kind of get you through the the orientation. And you you, you know you have your all the stuff that you need to get your name tag and all that. As I suppose you get your name tag in heaven, right? So he comes. To, he, you guys, you guys with me? That's, that's a joke. They don't have name tags in heaven. Okay. So the Apostle Peter, he comes to this man. He says, I want you to follow me. I want to show you something before you get initiated into heaven. He comes, he opens this room. And, and there's this big warehouse-sized room. And the man says, well, where are you taking me? He says, Peter, don't worry about it. He opens the door, and there's all this stuff inside this warehouse-sized room. And he goes down the, the, the aisles of this, this room, and there's just stuff lining the room. And some, of it was, some of it was inanimate stuff. Some of it was just... A description of something, family or, or, or uh, a peace or, or less worry or, or maybe, some of it was, maybe some of it was material things. But he just went down this warehouse 
and showed this man all this, all the, all the things, all the items in this warehouse. The man says, why are, you, why are you showing me all this stuff in the warehouse? Apostle Peter says to him, this is all the stuff God wanted to give you that you never prayed for. That's a theologically incorrect story. But I wonder how much stuff, what God wants to do in our life. I think how much stuff is a bad way to say it. What God wants to do in our life. How active God wants to be in our life. If we would just pray. That's it. That's what builds our faith. Let me pray for you.